Nobody read short stories. Hey everyone, I'm Jeremy. I'm Megan. And you're you. And today we want to know who you is. So go in the live stream and let us know who you are, who's watching. And if you're like embarrassed and you don't want people to know that you're watching us, like make up a name. Megan, who should they be today? Uh, well, I think they, they should make up their own names and they should be whomever they want to well, be. Can somebody please be Nicole Kidman? Cause that'll make me feel really good that Nicole Kidman's <laughs> watching me. But only if you use a Australian accent. Ooh, please do it, please. <laughs> so you're probably wondering who these weirdos are if you haven't watched us before. We're weirdos that came from Carnegie Mellon. We were in the dramatic writing program together. We liked each other. We moved out to LA. We've been, been exploring our own writing and then we decided to do this podcast. Uh, yes, because we love reading and writing short stories, and we wanted to give everyone an opportunity to have a short story that you could listen to while you're driving to work, if you're still going to work, or if you're doing your chores, or walking your dog, or just having to stay at home in general because of uh, COVID. And speaking of that, we just want to give a shout out to everyone who is staying home and staying safe and social distancing and wearing their masks. We really appreciate it. Uh, not only are you helping yourself, but you're helping everyone else. So kudos to you. And writers, if you're listening, we're looking for new stories. So uh, we're 100% we're committed to all kinds of stories, uh, all backgrounds, all ages, all cultures. So go to Nobody Read Short Stories and you'll find out our submission details and submit and you might be on our show. Exciting. <laughs> uh, and if if you haven't already, please go to our YouTube channel and you'll see a red uh, rectangle that says subscribe. And if you just click subscribe, then you will be subscribed and we will know you're subscribed. We'll be really excited. And uh, if you have an episode that you particularly like, there is an actual button on the episode where you can express that like. It's a thumbs up. If you'll hit it, you'll give us a like. We will be so appreciative. Also, if you don't want to watch our faces and you just want to hear our wonderful voice, go to Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and subscribe and download our, our podcast. And y'all that are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, make sure to follow us there too because we like being the cool kids. Cool kids, cool kids, cool kids. If you have Twitter, uh, our hashtag is NRSS podcast. Uh, make sure to use that. And one last thing is make sure you follow us. So Megan has a website <laughs> at meganamen.com where uh, anytime I'm doing anything fancy or cool, I'll, I'll post and you will get, if you're signed up for notifications, you will get an email letting you know whatever cool and fancy thing I'm doing. Yeah, and if you subscribe to me, uh, the, the my website's in the description box, you'll get a flash fiction of no more than 100 words sent to your email. The one this week is called Love at First Sight. It's like a little bit, kind of like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Ooh. All right, are we ready for Cranky? No. Yes, I'm ready for Cranky. Okay, so me and Megan like chatting to each other. So Cranky, if you haven't met him yet, he keeps us on the ball. We only have three minutes to talk about random things. Also, it's yeah, fun because like, a... if we do a really good job, Megan gets scared. I always get scared. 
I'm losing I'm losing years off my life every time we do this. And for those of you who are listening, he is a, a square black clock with glow in the dark numbers that, that has no absolutely no snooze or anything fancy on it. It's just when the time is over, it's done. So are we ready to crank cranky? Crank them. All right, here we go. All right. So Megan, what are you reading? So Jeremy. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, okay, we'll talk about this wonderful book that I read uh, actually yesterday. It's a very short book. It's called Another Brooklyn by Lynn Woodson. And uh, uh, as Jeremy knows, uh, this has been kind of a stinker of a week for books. And so I was like, eh, I don't really want to talk about any of those. But yesterday was a little gloomy and it was chilly and I was really just wanting to get into a book. And so I found uh, another Brooklyn, which is one, a book that I've been wanting to read for quite some time. And I found it on audio and it was so good. It's like very lyrical and poetic. And it's all about this young girl growing up in Brooklyn and uh, her relationship with her three best girlfriends and kind of that coming of age. But it's told um, through memory. So, so she'll, you'll just kind of be like, going along and she's talking about the fire hydrant. She's talking about the smells of Brooklyn. And then she's like, this is memory. And then it kind of fades out and it fades in. And she just does um, such a wonderful job of keeping you in this atmosphere. And it was the perfect thing to, to listen to and to read on a gloomy Sunday morning. So I highly, highly recommend. Megan, I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> So Megan and I were talking, and I, I will not recommend a book unless I really love love it. And so I'm reading four or five books right now, and I'm not going to name the names. But they're all okay. You know, they're all okay, and I don't want to recommend them. And Megan's like, yeah, the same. And I was like, Megan, you always have one that you're recommending. And she's like, no, this week, I'm not going to recommend a book. We'll just talk about something else. And look what she did to me. Megan, well, ask me what I'm, I'm reading. Okay, Jeremy, what are you Five reading? books I don't want to recommend today. <laughs> well, though, I'm just on a good streak. Like, you know, we started this podcast five weeks ago, <laughs> and the books that I read the previous five weeks were not necessarily books that I would want to recommend to you guys. So it's all, it's all a cycle. It's all, you know, you read a lot of books, and so the, the law of average, you will hopefully get a string of, of good books. Um, listen if you have good books and you're listening like recommend them to us now because I've been doing Amazon I've been doing Goodreads and sometimes people lie to you and I just want a good book I don't want to have to commit to something because then I have a hard time putting it down even if it's bad mm -hmm. I, I don't know yeah. how you are Megan yeah. but... I think it takes a lot of work to find good books like <sighs> I'll look at the New York Times bestseller list I'll look at Amazon I don't like Goodreads because I don't believe people and their <laughs> recommendations um oh. okay so the story today uh here's the synopsis the sudden passing of a beloved acquaintance challenges a woman to reflect on the things she left unsaid and undone the cleaner by michelle murphy i don't remember any of our conversations they were always snippets anyway little pleasantries in passing week after week for years, a lot of snippets. 
He had this great cadence when he said my name, always the same way, the same greeting. Hello, Michelle. It was so melodic, such a beautiful way to be spoken to. He was the talker. His brother spoke not a word. The first time I ever heard the brother speak was at the funeral. He didn't speak at the funeral, but after. I went up to him, heart still heavy in the afterglow of the Spanish service, still reeling from watching the casket procession, seeing the widow's devastated face and admiring the priest with his heavy African accent and his excellent Spanish. I need to learn Spanish. I said my name first, touching my chest. Sometimes it's hard for people to place you out of context. I like to be helpful. Michelle, I said, Dixie Canyon, the name of my apartment building, a new moniker for myself. I manage it, Dixie Canyon, a 15 unit apartment building of equally awesome and ridiculous tenants have for nine years. In fact, the cleaners are the only vendor that I didn't replace after years of building mismanagement. Gone were the thieving plumbers, the mentally unstable electrician, overpriced locksmith, grumpy handyman, and incompetent roofers of years prior. Just the cleaner remained. The silent brother stares at me blankly until recognition and surprise register simultaneously. I hug him. I'm a hugger. It will live in my memory as one of the most awkward hugs I've ever been a part of. I'm still glad I did it. I needed it. I don't remember what I said after that. I'm so sorry. We are so heartbroken. I don't know. Sounds like something I would say anyway. He was with me long enough for the recognition. He said my name softly, completely unlike his brother, Michelle, in a whisper, like a secret. That was it. My name, the half-assed hug, and then he was gone. Not literally gone, but his mind, definitely. He glanced at his phone. He glanced everywhere, landing nowhere. I excused myself and left. Walking through the church parking lot, I looked at this part of town unknown to me. Its signs I could not read. I played the service over again in my head. I'm grateful I was there. I loved the cleaner. I loved the way he said my name. He had a family. They loved him, clearly. He was a grandfather. He had a sister. The new facts of the cleaner's life freshly revealed to me. I never knew. I never asked. Why didn't I ask? I was irritated. What a shitty job they did. It was almost like they didn't even clean. Did I see them this week? No, I wasn't here Friday afternoon. I let it go. I'll talk to him next week. He is so nice. I'll gently inquire about it this past Friday, give him the opportunity to offer an excuse. Maybe it was just one of them. Maybe it was the silent brother only. Doesn't matter. It will easily be resolved. Next Friday, I'll talk to him. The following week, I texted my brother. Dave's not my biological brother, but he's like family, and I'm closer to him than any of my actual siblings. Hey, I'm not going to be home when the cleaners come today. Can you talk to them? See what's up? Make sure they mop this week. 
Dave lives at Dixie Canyon, too, just below me, same layout as our apartment. He used to live with us, with my husband and I. We were considering having a baby but needed his bedroom. We made some internal maneuvers, and now we are all just peas in a pod in our upstairs-downstairs arrangement. Plus, we did have that baby, so it all worked out. He texted a few hours later, no show. God damn it. I'm pissed now. I quickly find the apartment phone. It's a really annoying, cheap Blackberry. My boss, the owner of the apartment building, doesn't pay for any of my office materials. I didn't know much when I started this job years ago, but I knew enough to get a second line that I would only use for tenants and vendors. Paid off dearly over the years. People are nutty. Best to have boundaries. I call the cleaner. It rings for a bit, then goes to voicemail. It's annoying. Just that automated voice that repeats the phone number you dialed. I know the goddamn phone number. I just dialed it. I take a deep breath before the beep. It's something I always do. Check my attitude. Put on my nice voice. No one likes a bitch. I don't remember what I said. I know I was nice. I know I must have said something like, we missed you this week, yada yada, something nice. The subtext was subtle but clear. Where the hell are you? I count the weeks in my head. It wasn't two weeks since I last saw him. It's been at least three. The shitty job I thought they did last week is because they weren't here last week at all. What the fuck? Three weeks? I email my boss. I'm pissed, but I tone it down, namely for two reasons. I like the cleaner, and again, no one likes a bitch. I can protect him over two missed weeks. I did, in fact, protect him, not report his absences. But three, that's somehow personal to me. That he didn't show up for three weeks and didn't even bother to communicate with me is not okay. My boss's email comes back quick. It's not what I expected. Michelle, it simply says, I'm sorry. The cleaner was killed in an auto accident almost two weeks ago. I'm in shock. I frantically count the weeks in my head again. He cleaned on Friday three weeks ago. He was here cleaning with his silent brother. I missed him that day. I missed the whole week, apparently. I didn't notice the dust until the following Friday had passed. Two weeks passed. Nobody cleaned because the cleaner was dead. He died the week before on Friday night. He died just after cleaning our building. He died at a stoplight in Reseda in his old Toyota pickup, the innocent victim of a street racing accident. He died. Edgar Pineda died. Death is weird. It's not the dead part that I get. It's the dead and gone part. The gone is where it hurts. My best friend growing up lost her brother a few years back. He was trouble his entire life. Totally hot when I was a teenager. Cocky Kenny, full of swagger. He was dangerous. Not the sexy kind of dangerous where you don't know what's going to happen, but kind of like it anyway. No, Kenny was dangerous, like someone who was living life with no boundaries, rules, or fucks. I knew it back then. He was doing too much life all at once. It was scary. I secretly liked that he flirted with me, made me feel special. 
He had game. I had none. He made me feel pretty in that terribly uncomfortable teen phase. Not a girl, not yet a woman. I stayed a safe distance from him back then. Couldn't catch him anyway. I never thought too much about him in the decades that followed. My best friend would occasionally tell me some sad updates, rehabs, various women, the seizures that were now almost daily. He died in the woods a few years ago in northern Michigan, up north we call it, or the UP. He got into a fight with a girlfriend who called the cops on him, but he had a ton of priors, including a domestic charge with this girl. He took some pills, left the house, and vanished, missing for weeks. Reality is, he took those pills, went off in the snowy trails of Upper Michigan, sat down on a few minutes to rest, and likely froze to fucking death an hour after he left the house. My friend is still broken about it. It was better when he was missing. Missing. Still had hope. I bought a card for Edgar's widow. I wanted to have the whole building sign it. I wanted to tell her how much her husband meant to me, to us. I wanted to gather money for her in his honor. I bought the card and did nothing. I also didn't do any cleaning. The dust continued to grow. The place began looking a bit tired, like a kid who badly needed their hair brushed. Months went by. My boss was on the hunt for new cleaners. I put a listing together of all the responsibilities Edgar had. It was a lot. I stared at it, remembering I wanted to suggest a bonus for him at Christmas. I thought this every year and did nothing. The cleaner's death continued to take a toll on me. When I finally gave it into the sorry state of our building, I wandered downstairs into the storage room. It wasn't until I had the mop in my hand that I felt it. The weighty thought that his were the last hands on it, that he simply placed it there after work, got into his Toyota, drove home, and died on the way. I swept and mopped the lobby, not realizing until after that I just used the last bit of his cleaning solution. I had tossed the empty foreign bottle in recycling, hadn't bothered to look at the name. I smelled the deep, lemony scent, the cleaner's choice. Did he buy it for the smell, the price? Same as me, he was expected to pay for his own supplies. The lobby smelled that way always, and now it never would again. A happy hour erupted in the Dixie Canyon courtyard that evening, a common Friday night tradition. The moms in the building armed with Rosé and Trader Joseph's. It was always a welcome circle. The Dixie kids on their scooters, screaming and racing around the interior of the building, a throwback to our own childhoods, except we had blocks to play and these kids get 50 feet. Dad's coming home, happily greeted by the courtyard cheerleaders, shouts to join the party. Not everyone takes part, of course. The millennial tenants return home from their nine to fives, heads down, scurrying into their apartments, no desire or ability to engage in neighborly chit chat. The only company for them on a Friday night will be found online, likely the only conversation with their DoorDash delivery person. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll go out later, when the Dixie kids are asleep, when the Dixie parents are in their sweatpants and Netflix. 
Perhaps they'll Uber to WeHo, drink $17 craft cocktails all night, go home with a stranger. I skipped the happy hour. I laid on my floor instead and sobbed uncontrollably. Quite ugly, really. I cried for the cleaner, his family, for myself. I looked at the merriment down in the courtyard. How can some people be so full of joy and I so miserable? Why was I so miserable? Edgar Pineda, July 15th, 1967 to March 29th, 2019. Kenneth Napora, July 2nd, 1972 to January 31st, 2015. The end. The story always gets me. It's a really good story. Yeah, good read. Good read, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, yeah, it got me too. I just like am haunted by her using the last of his cleaning material that's just crazy like and it's it's something that most people wouldn't pick up you know I think that's what yeah and I think oh I was just gonna say I I think um when writers pick up on things like that like something that's a texture or a smell or something colorful or bright that they see it's such a powerful image and I think it's something that that all of us can relate to like we we, can, we know that smell and we've been in that lobby and we know we associate that smell with a person who's no longer around. And it's, it's just, I think it's very powerful to anyone who hears that because you have that connection to that smell. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that before, but like even people who are not writers, like I, I have talked to people who when they lose someone, uh, a smell will come into their life and they'll be like, that's the person. Like, I, I remember they carried this perfume or this cologne or they smoked this. Um, uh, and, and I've read articles where scent takes you back to moments in your history. So yeah, the lemon cleaner. Mm, that's, that's very powerful. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that Michelle let us use this story. It was just it kind of fits nicely into my my literary mindset of the book that I read yesterday <laughs> into this this story. It's just it just fits so nicely. And she was such a great interview too. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID and everything, we're not able to do live interviews. But I think you guys will enjoy this. We're going to post it now, right? Hey everyone, this is a pre-recorded video with Michelle. Uh, you just heard her story. Isn't she pretty? Look at her. <sighs> <laughs> I got to make it awkward at first. <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm really good, surprisingly, with everything with, <laughs> going on in the world. <laughs> speaking of, Michelle, do you know behind you that like uh, the decorative pieces kind of look like little Corona balls? <laughs> my set dressing <laughs> yeah um i'm currently filming um in my house for beach body i'm cur- i'm filming um this uh workout video i'm part of the cast it was supposed to be six weeks and um and in the sixth week uh we were ordered to shelter in place and so it became this virtual thing at home so it should have been done at six weeks and this was in february and it's still going right now 
So I made it past the test group. It turned into this virtual group that was so beautiful. The friendships that I've made with all of these men and women, because we just ended up, although we were at home, we were all on this like new lifestyle journey, which included working out and taking care of yourself and taking care of your mental health. And it, it was just supposed to be something so small and it turned into something so amazing. And then for me to ultimately be cast in the final product now is, I mean, it's like, I made it to the end. I made it to the end of the race. It's crazy. And it's, um, it's been wild. So I've lost like over 20 pounds. I've lost like 19 inches all over my body. Like I'm fitting in all of my clothing again. And and that's such a weird thing at a time where, you know, we all wanted to crawl under blankets and eat mashed potatoes and watch, you know, <laughs> Queer Eye, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited to be, to be a part of it. <laughs> so I know Michelle, not through my writer's group, even though she ended up going to the writer's group because I dragged her. Anytime I like somebody who's super talented, I try to drag them into the things that I like. Uh, but Michelle is a super talented actress that I worked with, and um, during writer's group, she brought a piece in, the piece that you listened to, and I was like, oh man, this really, this moved my heart, and then I nagged her to submit the piece, and I, I won, I, I won, she submitted the piece, <laughs> all of us were excited about it, and now she's here. Uh, so I'm curious, Michelle, like what your creative influences for the piece were, if you want to talk a little bit about what made you write it. You know, I, I have never really, you know, I remember I'm always somebody who wants to know, like, how do you get to be a writer? Like, what do you do? You know? And I remember, um, somebody saying, well, you just write writers, write. You know, there is no book. There is no, you know, just like a diet pill. There's no diet pill. You got to put in the effort every single damn day. And so this was something that I knew in writer's group. It was like my first reading and I had to write something. And like every time I would go to sit down to write, I would just be like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. How do what is the structure? What am I doing? I don't know. And so you, I believe it was you that told me something about like trash draft or something. Oh, like, yeah. uh, like I call them my ugly babies. Yeah. Sure. Like it's before, vomit draft or something. Vomit. Just yeah. vomit up the thing. It's before first draft. Who, who right. cares? Nobody's going to see it but you kind of draft. Yeah. So the cleaner is my vomit draft and nobody's going to see it but me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Right. So. But that, I mean, that's what the thing was. So I was like, this is too hard. I'm struggling here to try to understand something, you know, so why don't I just write? Mm. And this is a true story. This is about, you know, somebody who meant something very dearly to me, the cleaner here in my building. Mm. And this, his death hit me so hard. And it was, it was somewhat easier to write once I could think about him and the things I wanted to say about him. Mm. And then I was able to just write, like I got out of my head and I put it all down and I didn't think about structure and I didn't think, and I just kind of wrote, I just wrote from my heart. And, and I guess that's the key. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were, you were so you know? honest in the piece, like I really resonated with some of the things that you you said, like 
that you had so many plans for things that you wanted to do, but you didn't do them. I mean, that's 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 human. You right. like have these great things you want to do, and um, unfortunately, right. in this situation, you know, there's that's such a yeah. clear line, right? You know, well, because we that's what we do. We all deal. We all know death is coming for all of us. It's it's a thing, you know. But and we are so <laughs> hello, 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 where are you? <laughs> <laughs> for the podcast um, listeners uh we pretended to be seeing death behind us be terrified yes yeah death was there um it that's not the part about death you know that that hits us i don't believe i mean it's the and i wrote you know the words it's the gone part when you're gone you know because you at some point you know it's like oh i need to talk to oh, i can't or i wish i would have I, the regret of, I wish I would have said, I wish I would have told them how much I love them. Or I wish, what was the last thing we said? And like, that's where all of the emotions and the feelings and that's, it, that lives on in us, you know? And so, yeah. Oh man. And like, I also felt the part where like, you're getting annoyed at this person and then you find out the new information that makes you, yeah. Right. I was, I was so I remember I was so mad because I felt, you know, I, uh, I run a building and, um, you know, I'm a female and so I have to deal over time. I've dealt with a lot of sexist kind of attitudes mm. with certain things and certainly not from the cleaner. Um, but you know, so I'm, I, I constantly had to be, you know, I know what's up. I know how to handle my stuff here. And I remember when the cleaner wasn't showing up, I, I mean, over the course of weeks, I felt like this is somebody I trust, mm. you know, why wouldn't he call me? Why wouldn't he tell me, you know, like, I just remember feeling so like betrayed almost like, you know, you were on my team, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, and then, and then to find out of his passing that way, I mean, uh, I will just never forget it. Um, yeah. I think people are going to resonate with that in their own ways. We've all been in that situation where we got really upset to find out, you know, that the truth was nothing like we had imagined, you know? Right. Well, and keep in mind, weeks had went past since he had passed, right? So when I found out, the night that I found out, I immediately jumped online and his wake was the following day. <sighs> And so I found out just in time. And then I talked about it in the cleaner about how I went to this church mm. and listened to, you know, this whole service in a language that I don't speak and all of these emotions where I was and to see people from his life. And, you know, I mean, it was the most it was so surreal. And I, I just I, I, it's like I could remember it so well to write it because I was so present and to see him like coming down, I mean, I still get emotional about it. It was a very beautiful service. And I'm so glad that I was able to go. But, you know, I mean, it was it was a tiny closure. And I think that's where the cleaner really came from, because I had all of these things that I didn't have closure to the things I wanted to do for him, and to tell him how much he meant to me. And like, get Christmas bonuses for him. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I would have loved to, to do those things. And yet I didn't, 
So, so is that what you got from doing the piece is a little bit of closure? Like what did writing this once you were finished, what did yeah, you get from that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I got peace rather than closure. I definitely got peace. And then, you know, the second part of it with the introduction of my best friend and her brother that passed, that was harder because her brother's death has haunted me. I mean, she's been my best friend for 30 years. Um, and his death was so haunting the way that he died. And we've talked her and I many times about that, about, you know, the circumstances and the life that he lived. And I didn't know I was going to interject Kenny into the cleaner story. Mm. And it just came. And so when it, it, and I remember even when I brought it to writer's group, people said, you know, that that portion is actually another story that doesn't belong in this story. And I thought, oh, OK, maybe they're right. And then reworking it and, and looking at it again. And it absolutely did, because, mm. you know, that is what was able to make the connection for me mm. about death. It's not the death part. It's the gone part. You know, it's the it's that. So. Yeah, you were you were a little nervous about uh, bringing this piece in just because it was true to life. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't want to exploit Kenny's passing, and it's a true story, just like Edgar's story is a is a true story. I mean, this is life. This, these two deaths happened th this way, and. You know, Christy is my, like, she's my sister. She's my, my best friend. <laughs> we, you know, since high school. And um, I, I talked to her about, I, I called her and I was like, she's on vacation. She's on vacation right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I, have to talk. I have to like, you know, I've got this heavy heart and I'm like, you know, I, I want to ask your permission you know, because I can take this out and I can, you know, I think, what did you say? Because you and I talked about it. I could substitute, substitute something. And she was so, she was like, I wouldn't trust anybody but you to, to write this or to say that. I mean, like, she was so like, here is my, absolutely, you can talk about it. Absolutely, you can use my brother's name. Absolutely, you can, you know include him and his story and yeah I mean it was just like that permission kind of freed something up in me you know because as storytellers you know what I mean like you know there's good you know I, I love a good story but it's like you know when you're talking about somebody you know what I mean that somebody could be like hey that's me that's me you know I I get fearful you know and, and this whole story is about fear 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 you know, the things that, you know, you don't say or that you don't do. And, you know, I mean. What was the biggest challenge in writing it? I think it might be what you're talking about right now. But for you, what is the. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was trusting myself. You know, I love the vulnerability. Like I love to deep dive into a character's vulnerability. I'm all about vulnerability, <laughs> vulnerability with somebody else. <laughs> But with me, yes. you know, like actually me, I'm like, no, a <laughs> little bit. No. 
and you, you have to, I have to really trust you, you know, like I really like, you know, and so this, this whole piece was so vulnerable for me. And I think that's why it was so scary because I could be rejected by the writer's group. I could be, my friend could be upset that I wrote this piece about her brother, you know, the, the, I could do a bad job with the cleaner, you know, and be disrespectful to his memory. And yeah, so it was a lot and it was, it was that. And then just trusting myself to go, you know what, let's just write the damn thing <laughs> and get it out there. You know, let's lean into this a little bit, you know, cause you know, I, I love it <laughs> like from knowing you, it seems like this is a thing, something very small turns into something that you learn a lot from, like it becomes like this full journey. Like, I bet you never sure. imagined that this short story would just, it wouldn't just be in writer's group. You'll like have people on YouTube live and uh, the podcast venues listening to this now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's one thing though, that I'm so supportive of people that I love and I certainly love you. I love and you. so, I mean, that to me, like, if I can help lift somebody else up, you know what I mean? And what they're doing, then, then I'm all about that. You know, it's harder when it's like me, but because, you know, you asked and this is important to you, then I'm like, oh, if this helps you, you know, then I'm happy. I would love no. uh, for the listeners to respond on what, uh, what they got from your piece and then maybe you can check it out to see if there are any comments. And if you have any questions for Michelle, we will also be relaying them to her so that she can answer any questions you might have about the piece. I loved it, it was beautiful. I think people are going to get so much out of it. Thank you for being so brave and honest. Um, I really think that's gonna help people connect with the piece as well. Um, we're going to have Michelle's links at the bottom of this video. Uh, check out all her acting stuff and <laughs> Next week, we have Bonnie Milani. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, she's our... So, I love Bonnie. <laughs> what do you love about Bonnie, Michelle? I mean, she's just... She's a character. I mean, I love <laughs> the character, man. That's my favorite. I mean, anybody... That's what I love. And she's so... She's so brave. And I, I mean, you know, like, I'm always like, you know, sometimes fearful of saying the wrong thing in a group or something like that, you know, like, again, vulnerability, I don't want to put that out there. But like, that's what I love about Bonnie. I know I don't know her very well. But I love that she just is like, she's, she's like an anchor, <laughs> like she can like anchor anything, like if there was a large ship behind her, she would be able to anchor it down with her personality. Um, yeah, like I, we already did a pre-interview for Bonnie and it was amazing, like, you know, you would imagine. Uh, for the listeners, Bonnie is a sci-fi uh, short story writer. And let's see, she gave me her blurb. I'll read it really quickly before we end. Uh, let me try to do my sci-fi voice. Condemnation to Sisyphus, a world where even the grass is out to get you and the locals resemble nine-foot-tall sentient tarantulas. For nine years, convicted killer Mahdi Koshtar has weaseled, worried, and lied to earn a spot on the prisoner's early release list. Now her reprieve is at hand. All she has to do is convince someone else to take her place. So that's next week, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for this interview. It was so good. 
thank you all for being in my bedroom that I've staged. So <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. I, I bet some podcast <laughs> listeners are going to be so curious. They'll log into the YouTube. <laughs> thank you. This was fun. Thank you. So much fun. Thank you, everyone. Bye. No one reads short stories anymore. I really don't know what they're written for. Go write a short story and throw it out the door. Cause no one reads short stories, funny, sad, or gory. No one reads short stories anymore. Yes, no one reads short stories.